0: Hello, everybody. My name is Andy Fernandez. And my name is Michael Fernandez. And welcome back to another episode of What Makes It Great. Today, we are jumping forward two years to 1946 to talk about The Best Years of Our Lives, directed by William Wyler, ranked number 37 on both versions of the American Film Institute's list. 37 it is. <laughs> we had mentioned in the end of our last one, never heard of this one.
1: Yep, Me neither
0: never seen a clip from it didn't know any of the actors or actresses in it me either and so this was an entirely new experience for me i watched it earlier today and i really liked it
1: same so i watched it on amazon um yesterday or was it the day before yesterday i think it was the day before yesterday and Mm -hmm. um yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I did not think I was going to. It's two hours and 50 minutes. And yeah, it's a long one. I was like really getting on a roll here with cranking some of these movies out and these episodes out. And then I was like, oh no, another super long one. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it went by really fast actually.
0: Yeah. I thought this one was, was one of the better ones we've watched recently. I feel like we we've watched Casablanca, but then we had we've had some other ones recently that I haven't cared too, too much about. Um, And so this one was really refreshing in that it was really long and I wasn't expecting much and I got a lot more out of it than I thought I was going to.
1: Yeah, I think that's a lesson that we definitely should have already learned by now, considering this is like the greatest movies of all time list. (laughs) There's not really very many like dull movies on here, but still I'm constantly surprised by these movies that
0: I've never heard of. I'm like, wow, really good. (laughs) Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Well, um, oh, and I watched it on Canopy. It is on that Canopy service um, oh, cool. as well. If you have, ac- if anyone has access to that, um, some. Um, so we've already talked about William Wyler once before. He was the director of our favorite movie, Wuthering Heights. Oh yeah, that guy. And <laughs> and uh, I think there's only one little thing I wanted to mention from this is after Wuthering Heights, I think in 1941, 42 he did a movie called Mrs. Miniver that won a lot of oscars mm. and then he went off to the war um as many directors and actors did and he he made some documentaries and stuff about um the war and uh particularly about bombers um and and uh during the war he went partially or fully deaf in one of his ears i think wow um and so he comes back from the war and this is the next movie he does the best years of our lives. And so not counting, um, the, he basically had like a lot of actors and people like a pretty big gap in his, um, output because of the war. And so it's like, he did one movie that wins all these Oscars right before the war. Then he goes off to the war and he comes back and it's like, he never left. He wins all these Oscars for this one too. Wow. Um, and so, I just thought that, but so, but his unique experience of being in the war, especially with um, being in like bomber planes and stuff, um, really you can see the influence that his personal experience had in this movie.
1: Oh yeah, so he's Fred.
2: basically yeah um
0: and there's a great scene near the end with fred where the one of the main characters of the movie where he's walking through like an airplane graveyard Mm -hmm. um and whenever we talk about that like that was a that was like a lot of william wyler stuff
1: um that's the part where the light doesn't touch and we can't go oh no that's the elephant graveyard sorry yeah (laughs) that that is
0: you never go there um but the only other person I wanted to talk about, there's a lot of actors that have a lot of success in this movie. It's a big cast, um, and but I've, you know, instead of talking about all of them, I just wanted to spend one quick minute talking about Harold Russell. Um, who he <laughs> he is the non actor who plays Homer in this movie.
1: Oh my gosh, he's the best.
0: So he is not an actor. He was a real soldier who. In North Carolina in 1944, he was training soldiers, and there was a defective fuse on some TNT, and it exploded, and he lost his hands. Um, And he was featured in a documentary the Army made about, like, rehabilitating soldiers, and William Wyler saw this, and he casts him as Homer in this movie. Wow. Um, After the movie, he eventually goes back to school, and he gets a business degree. Um, but he would go on and he would go on to work on for like veterans organizations. And he was the chairman of the president's commission on employment of the handicapped from, for a couple of decades in the sixties, seventies and eighties.
1: Oh man, that's awesome.
0: And he dies of a heart attack in 2002 at the age of 87. But besides this, he does like, he's like in one random movie from the eighties and like he's in another random movie in the nineties. He does like one or two episodes of like Trapper John MD um, but, like, this is basically the only thing that he does acting wise. Mm. Um, and he is the best part of the movie, hands down. Um, yeah, he is. And he's
1: so, so good.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll talk a lot more about him. But, yeah, he's a real veteran with, and his character doesn't have hands. He has, like, what hooks did you say for his hands. his name was again? Harold Russell.
1: Harold Russell.
0: Okay. And uh, he is kind of the breakout star hit of this movie. Mm hmm. Um. Besides that, just wanted to talk a little bit about the pre-production on this movie. Samuel Goldwyn, who's the producer of MGM, you know Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel Goldwyn, he commi- he reads an article in Time magazine about the struggles of soldiers transitioning back to civilian life, and he commissions a writer to write um, a treatment, a film treatment on it, based mm-hmm. on this article. And he ends up writing like a novella, like a really long thing that was more like poem-based. Hmm. Um, and he was like, this is great. But then he gets someone else to adapt that into a screenplay. And, cool. fi- and filming begins about seven months after the war ended. So this is happening Quick. and eth- quickly. And I think everyone in the country is grappling with and dealing with the ideas and the themes that are being presented in this movie.
1: Yeah. What a timely movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the and timeliness <laughs> of, yeah, right. <laughs> we've talked about the timeliness of, of movies that have been released on this list before, like Casablanca comes to mind. Um, we've talked about it around all quiet on the Western front. This one might be, you know, one of the most important ones in ti- in terms of the timeliness of when it gets released and when it gets made.
2: Mm hmm
1: yeah no this one is really really cool um what grabbed me like i kind of when i before i watched the movie i just like read the little uh synopsis about it mm-hmm. um and i was like you know intrigued i was like wow this seems like it's about some deep emotional issues and you know the mm-hmm. struggles of dealing with war um and it's wow 1946 wow you know so quick mm-hmm. um but what really got me which i am assume and i hope you're going to talk about here in a second is um and what i'm going to spoil it already what makes this movie great for me off the bat is uh, our boy greg toland is back the cinematography <laughs> the... is amazing again
0: it's one of the very <laughs> next things i was gonna as we go into the movie i didn't know that until the opening credits me of the movie. either and i was like oh i'm in <laughs> mm-hmm. well with that do you want to transition and talking about the movie
1: um well we well hold on no just don't let that be the end of greg toland um (laughs) he in case our listeners don't remember because i mean who remembers the names of cinematographers from movies he is the cinematographer from citizen kane and Mm -hmm. he's the reason why that movie was just a big part of the why that movie was so so beautiful um Mm -hmm. so the cinematography in this movie is just at the same level. Um we see a lot yes. of things with deep focus and a lot um, of deep focus. there's just tons of uh, f- awesome amazing framing with mm-hmm. so many things going on. Um there's like probably four or five parts in this movie. This movie's got a big cast and, you know, yeah. different stories that interweave um and there's like scenes where all of those stories are kind of on one screen. And it's all in focus and it's all lit mm-hmm. so well and it's black and white. And I'm like, yes, Tolan did, <laughs> did it again. He did it again.
0: He's the, the, yeah, the look of this movie is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said something that William Wyler, he made the sets, he designed the sets to be like normal size. In a lot of movies at this time, the sets would be much larger than life mm-hmm. so to incorporate lighting and camera and stuff. Um, but he designed and had the sets built to be kind of more realistically sized which I think does a lot of benefits for the framing and the look of the movie. Yeah, um, I think so, and, too. And you see it, I think, in the camera work from Greg Toland. Definitely. Okay, well, let's dive in. We get the credits, and that was the thing that I had. I was like, oh, Greg Toland's the cinematographer. I'm, I'm excited. I'm in for this. Yep. And uh, we open up on an airport lobby where there's a soldier named Fred Derry, played by... Dana Andrews, I believe, is his name.
1: There's really, I, I'm sure that you have names for like every single one of the actors, um, and you should definitely give the big six or the whoever I don't know the main guys mm-hmm. and their wives are. Um, but there's one that is in here. It's uh, got a an amazing name, and I don't really know much about him. And um, whenever he comes up, you better bring him up. <laughs> I'll let you
0: figure out which one it is. <laughs> All right, I, I, I. There's a couple. Just look at the names of them, uh, and can imagine they just like looks sound funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So Fred Derry is played by an actor named Dana Andrews, who I think does a lot of work in like film noir as like a detective, and he looks like that kind of a person. He's very good looking. Um, and he's trying to get a flight home, and the lady at the counter is like, "There's no flights getting to get home for him to get home to Boone City," and there's a little moment with like a rich white dude that comes up and he's able to get a flight super easily. And he kind of asks the soldier to move out of the way so that he can, you know, get on with his booking and everything. Mm -hmm. And the airline counter person tells there's a small airfield across the way. um, That's for soldiers. Maybe you'd have better, better luck over there. I think they refer to it as like the ATC or Mm -hmm. something. And uh, so he goes over there and it's real dingy looking. Um, but already I have like themes of being treated as lesser, right? Yep. As, like in my notes, as, like the soldiers like told to get out of the way of the rich white dude. Um, they don't have anything for the soldier. They go. He goes. Has to go across the way to this really dingy looking place to to try and get his way home. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna continue throughout the movie. Um, eventually, there's he learns that from the counter, the guy at the counter there, which I heard is. Sean Penn's father, really, is playing the army guy that's scheduling the flights at this little, at this small little dingy airfield oh. that Fred Derry is trying to get a, a ride home from. B seventeen is going to be heading to Boone City, so he and another soldier, who is a sailor named Homer Parrish, and that is Harold Russell, mm-hmm. um, they get called up to sign the papers so that they can get on this plane. And this is where we see that Homer has no hands. He has only hooks on his hands, on his, like, wrists. and uh, But he's able to pick up the pen and still sign his name, and he seems to be in real good spirits about it all.
1: Yeah, he is so good with his hooks. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, he's, like, it's, like, he can do anything that you or I can do with our hands, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 like, the same speed, basically.
1: And he often does, yeah. yeah. He, like, lights cigarettes a lot during the movie and smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes a lot during the movie. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they go and board a plane Where they meet another guy Named Al Stevenson And that is Friedrich March
2: And guy, he's, already <laughs> on,
0: he's already on the plane And they're, heading, they're all heading home To Boone City the, And the three of them Are kind of looking down At the world As they fly over mm-hmm. um, the world But these are our three Main characters yep. um, Fred, movie, Homer, and Al Fred, Homer, and Al The rest of the movie Is going to be kind of About them going back To their home And how they adjust and how they transition back to civilian life. Some successfully and some failures.
1: Well, I mean, the stories go up and down. But um, I like how this, it's definitely not a true story. Like, I mean, it is a true story, Mm -hmm. but it's like definitely adapted from somewhere, you know, it's fictional. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Just because I think it's funny how Fred um Al and Homer are all together because Homer's from like the Navy essentially he's out uh, he's like a repair man in the Pacific somewhere in some boat mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then Al is like a sergeant in the infantry, mm-hmm. and then uh what's his face is uh, Fred. Fred's like a bomber, you know going over europe and uh, mm-hmm. he's I don't know if he went over the islands in the Pacific as well, but it's, I don't he might have been everywhere. Yeah.
0: Uh, it sounds like Homer was more in the Pacific, mm-hmm. and Al I don't remember, but Fred was over Europe for sure,
1: but they got a little bit of everything at the Air Force that mm-hmm. you know before the Air Force was started, the navy before the Navy started, and then uh, the Army <laughs> and as the well. Army. Yeah. um but they're all together representing you know all three of these little branches here, and they've all got mm-hmm. different stories and different struggles to deal with um but yeah, this is the coming together here,
0: yeah. Um, Homer's never flown before. We Yeah, Fred learned that they, that he, we learned that Fred flew bombers, so they have totally different perspective about what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we learned that Homer talks about how his ship sunk and how he got burned, which is how he lost his hands. Mm-hmm. And he got trained to use his hooks, but he's worried about how his girlfriend Wilma is going to react.
1: His uh, high he school had a gr- sweetheart girlfriend. Yep.
0: High school sweetheart Wilma, who lives right next door um Homer was some big star athlete basically at his high school, and then he goes off to war and loses his hands and now he's worried about it when he comes back is Wilma still gonna like him mm-hmm. and uh, that's so spread and a- it's super sad um and there's he's so well performed yeah, it's so, so real real um his pain his fear his his you know his Sadness and depression Um All of it is Is Done so realistically Yeah Um Fred and Al are both married They talk about Their wives And Um He talks And Fred wants Talking about Just wanting a simple life And uh and then they kind of fall asleep, I think. And the next morning Homer wakes up and he sees the clouds. He's the, kind of the first one awake, and he sees the clouds and tears up a little bit as he's watching the clouds go as he's, the plane is like slicing through the clouds. Mm-hmm. And then they fly over their hometown, and they, they all three of them are looking down, and people are playing golf as if nothing ever happened. And they fly over a scrapyard with hundreds of planes. Um, and they're talking about, oh, yeah, we don't have any use for them anymore, so they're junking them or, you know, scrapping them for parts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they get off the plane, they get into a car, and they start driving through the town. And just a little montage of all the places and the sights they see. But one thing that's important here is they pass by a place called Butch's, yep. which is a bar that Homer's uncle, Butch, runs. And who is and he played by? Butch is played by Hoagie Carmichael, <laughs> <laughs> which is a funny a funny name. I don't I, know I imagine.
1: what else he's been in, but I swear I've heard that name before, but it's just such an old-timey name, and it's amazing. Oh, well, look at this.
0: award uh, On his IMDb page, award-winning songwriter yeah. of songs called Stardust, Old Buttermilk Sky, and Georgia On My Mind.
1: There we are, Hoagie Carmichael. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, he is a famous songwriter um, who's, man, he's done a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, he's, I know that. Like, whenever I went, got to the credits, I saw his name on there and I was like, wait, he's in this?
2: <laughs> like, yeah, who he's was won he? won
0: Grammys. He won an Oscar for Best Original Song. By the way, Fre- Friedrich March, who um, Al Stevenson is the um, character that he plays, he's won two Academy Awards. Really? Uh, he won for this movie. And he won for um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 1931. He was uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde.
1: That's hilarious. And he's kind he of was, like that in this movie, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: he was the original um, uh, Bradley Cooper in the original A Star is Born as well.
1: That's amazing.
0: But uh, he was probably. Anyway. He
1: was not in the shallows in this movie. He was definitely in uh, the no. deep end of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was um, underwater, <laughs> under alcohol. Yeah
0: so after they pass by butch's they get to homer's house he's the first one that they drop off and the cab's about to pull away but fred asks the cab driver wait a minute because they've all kind of bonded in this short trip that they had and they want to see what happens when his family sees him basically and they want to make sure he's okay
1: yeah it's cool they bond instantly
0: yeah. And I love their relationship throughout the movie is that they're they're the so best. close, all three of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the best.
2: Uh, they have to first, be I mean we oh, yeah, w we've gotta talk
1: about all of the you know, as we get a little further we've gotta talk about all the really complex emotional situations that they're in. But yeah, for out of mm-hmm. necessity they feel so alone and so isolated and they were just in this insanity, you know, in this mm-hmm. utter chaos and For years. For years and the other two guys, like, are, you know, those three, they're the only ones in the whole town that know what that feels like. So while they're coping yeah. through it, they definitely need each other right now. Mm-hmm. But it's so sweet to see it happen so quick. Yeah, they're like, Homer, got to make sure you're safe.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's such a subtle thing, but it it's so powerful. of Fred just telling, wait a minute, you mm-hmm. know, telling the cab driver to stick around for a second here. Um Because... Uh, first Homer, he's out front of his house, and his sister come, his little sister comes out, and she is super excited. She runs next door, jumps over the bushes, is yelling for Wilma to come out in Homer's home, and and then she runs and hugs uh Homer, and mm-hmm. she's really in this moment. She doesn't care or notice about his hands. Not at all. I don't think
1: not one bit. And I don't think um, that she. I mean, she she notices later on there's a
0: moment yeah where where she does something kind of terrible but um this moment she's she just sees her brother and then his parents come out and they hug him and then wilma comes out and she hugs him but Mm -hmm. his hands are just his arms are just right at his side he does not hug her back Mm -hmm. and there's a moment where um the The cab starts to leave, and he turns around to wave and kind of raises up his his hook, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he picks up his stuff, and his mom tries to hold back her tears, but she can't. And I put in my notes, and I cried. Like this yeah. is the first of like three times that I cry in this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is such a heavy movie, but
0: <laughs> yeah, it is rough. But this was this got me already. Mm.
1: No, I didn't cry, but I yeah, it feels strong here for sure. Mm-hmm. Poor Homer, so sad, and oh man, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, as they're driving away, I think Al is the one that says, you know, they trained him how to use those hooks, but they couldn't train him how to hug his girl and to stroke her hair.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Al is the one that gets dropped off next. He lives in a fancy high-rise apartment building. Mm-hmm. Uh, We learn that he's a banker, um, and the doorman doesn't let him pass at first, but uh, eventually he's like, I am Mr. Stevenson, I'm here, and so eventually he kind of lets him go by, he gets on the elevator and goes up to his home. Yeah, He's like, let me buzz
1: you, I was worried for a second just because we've been watching film noirs and the Mm -hmm. uh, femme fatales are just, you know, all over the place um but he's like going into his place and the doorman's like uh what room number and he's like i'm going to my place and he's like uh l- yeah. let me buzz so i can like let them know before uh let me announce you what's your name And he's like mr mm-hmm. stevenson and he just like buzz like blast past him he's like this is my home i was like oh is his wife up there like with another man like what's happening here what's the mm-hmm. sadness the struggle he's gonna deal with <laughs> But now he goes up, and he's got a nice wife and two kids, and this reunion is pretty cool, too.
2: Yeah.
0: He rings the bell, his son answers, and he shushes him. He puts his hand over his mouth real quick, and and then his daughter comes around the corner, and he does the same thing to her. And then his wife comes around the corner, um, played by Myrna Loy, Millie Stevenson. And she freaks out, and they embrace, and... His wife calls their friends saying they can't come over because Al is back home, and mm-hmm. I cry again. <laughs> the, this whole
1: time, I was just thinking of like both of our grandpas, mm-hmm. and yeah, this this re, all of these reunions they had to have just been so, so heavy, so emotionally like I don't know, so exciting. So yeah, you just burst out in tears thinking about that.
2: Yeah. Like Papa yeah. and Grandpa
1: coming home from the war. I mean, I I don't know if either either of them were married at the time though, so they've got different
0: stories. No, yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, but yeah, that idea of of being married and having a family and leaving them for multiple years, oh, and gosh. every day they're worried about, you know, they are going to get a letter? Basically, mm-hmm. um, and then you you get you come home, the war is over, and just that relief yeah. oh, is so gosh. cathartic. And the the actors in the scene do such a good job. Doing it, and I imagine probably because a lot of them had real experience with dealing with this too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, I'm sure they just did. I'm sure they were, or we're still going through it. Yeah, you know I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. I uh, so the next moment is uh, Fred arrives home, and he sees his parents. Um, they tell him that Marie, his wife, has moved out on her own, and she's gotten a job at a nightclub. Um. So he doesn't stay with his parents there, but he goes off to find her, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then we go back to Al's home. Al is showing his son the stuff that he brought home for him. He brought him a flag and he brought him a samurai sword. So yes, he was <laughs> in the Pacific. Okay, that's um, right. Yeah. And his son, who we don't see much in this movie, he's in the very beginning here, and then he does just kind of disappears. Um he's asking him about the effects of radiation because of what his teachers are telling him in the classroom. And if he saw any of that in Hiroshima Mm -hmm. and you can just like, I put down here, there's a, there's a distance. There's like a chasm in their experiences, you know, Al and Fred and Homer have seen and experienced so much that the rest of the world just isn't ready to grasp and won't, is not able to grasp. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're talking about the same things. Like, He's wanted to have a, conver- his son's wanted to have a conversation with him about the war, but it's done in such a weird, like, dis- detached way, mm-hmm. like, almost academic, um, and Al and, you know, Fred and Homer, whenever they encounter this stuff there, it's like, no, that's not what we, ex- that's not it, like, you're missing, you're missing the humanity in it, basically,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so it's a very bizarre scene. But it's just one that, again, highlights that difference, that chasm between, you know, the soldiers and, and the civilians in this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the mom and daughter are connecting, reconnecting in the kitchen when Al comes in. He's like, I want to go out. Let's go party it up. Let's go drinking. Let's go dancing. And, and there's like this montage of them out at clubs drinking and listening to music. And that kind of starts the theme of Al's Drinking and his alcoholism, basically, in this movie. Yes.
1: He, um, what, so he's like, yeah, okay, I didn't really relate with my son. He's weird now. And, mm-hmm. um, apparently I've got to learn some stuff. Um, and then he's like, what does our daughter do? He's like asking his wife. Um, and she's yeah. like, she's
0: a nurse now. And... and she works in the hospital. By the way, her name is Peggy and she's played by an actress named Teresa Wright, who is an Oscar winner. She had won Best Supporting Actress for. Uh, mrs miniver the the movie that william wyler won all those awards for right before he went off to the war
1: oh man this guy this whole cast is pretty stacked mm-hmm. um but yeah no she's great and um she's kind of just like doing a bunch of stuff around the house so like while he's been gone it really shows like you know what the civilians have been up to and there really is that disconnect um she's like what is it like he sits down and she's like oh let me get you dinner or something like, let me go clean the table set the table and he's like don't we have maids to do that like um yeah, what like, are really you guys to... doing and she's yeah, like i can right. do this i took a class in domestic science is what she says <laughs> and she like cooks well because they had
0: their and... own war right like they were at home during the war but they had all these other struggles that they had to deal with which like they had to get rid of their maid <laughs> you know poor you yeah but uh but yeah, the, their whole life changed and they've become a lot more self sufficient. And, and who they are is they're, they're much different than when he last knew them.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true.
0: And then I think we go back at Homer's and I just put, you can cut the tension with a knife. Um, they're talking about jobs that he can get and he, you know, they, they're handing out like a glasses of tea or something and he drops the glass. And they're, they're like, like, oh, don't worry about glasses it.
1: Glasses of tea. They look like little, I guess they were glasses. I don't know. They were like a little the champagne flute or, yeah, kind of things. Like, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. something tough to grasp with hooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, not a very. Yeah, look
0: like made out of yeah glass or crystal or something kind of thing. Yeah, not and, like,
1: like the, the drops. best. It. Yeah, it's terrible. Maybe get some different uh, cups.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Well, and then after that, they're like all freaking out, and he just like doesn't like the attention, you know, that gets drawn to his. His quote-unquote disability, right? Yeah, and yeah. actually, so what like, they did
1: instead of giving him like a more convenient glass or like a more ergonomic glass um, or cup, uh, they gave him three on the tray that he could pick up from, and he drops one, and then he had another one, and like the mom or whoever it was is like offering him another one, like, "Want well, to try again?" Like, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know.
0: He's like, "I just got. to I'm going to go for a walk," and so he leaves, mm-hmm. and he goes to Butch's, and Fred is there. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And this reunion is great <laughs> Yeah,
0: Homer sits down at the bar And he gets a drink with Fred And Fred's been basically going around To all these different bars and nightclubs To see if he can find his wife But to no avail And, uh, and then who comes in but Al And his wife and his daughter Because they've been going around to clubs and bars All night too Al
1: is plastered He is so, so drunk
0: <laughs> And he's super excited to see his new buddies yeah. And they all go sit in a booth together, and, uh, and then Butch calls Homer over to the piano. Um, he says, like, hey, Wilma called. They're worried about you, and, and he says, you know, I just got real nervous because they were just so focused on my hooks, basically, and, and he just wants to be treated like everybody else.
1: So the whole time, I forget, so you said that he walks into Butch's, Homer walks into Butch's, and Fred's already there. And they have a conversation right away. I feel like whenever Homer walks into Butch's, he interacts with his uncle first.
2: Yeah,
0: he's like, I want to get a drink or like a whiskey straight up or something. And it's like mm-hmm. his
1: uncle and this other bar owner's hey, you're here. And he's like super happy and welcoming to see him. You can tell right away that Butch is a good upstanding guy and he's going to take care of his family. And mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's like... <laughs> he's like, I'll have a whiskey. It's been a rough night or whatever. And he's like, you'll have a beer. And he like gets mm-hmm. him a beer. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll have a beer. And then he turns around and sees Fred. Um, yeah. And I think he's like about to have another drink or something. And then Hoagie Carmichael again is like, hey, hey, come over here to the piano. And he tells him that he called. Um, and the whole time he like is kind of cutting him off from drinks and keeping him away Basically, from alcohol. Yeah. He's and trying he's, to take care of him. He's, yeah, he's trying to take care of him. He knows that um, he feels alone and he's... You know, can reach out to him, and then they go to the piano, and do they? They don't play the song right now, do they?
0: No, Al asks Butch to play a song for him. That's right. That's right. And something about like the souvenirs or something, among us or something. I don't know what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's it has some meaning to Al and his wife. No,
1: no, 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 not Al. I'm to Homer first. Before Al gets there, I want to talk about Al's welcoming.
2: Okay.
1: Um, Homer sits down at the piano, and Hoagy Carmichael plays a song with to homer he starts fiddling butch Mm -hmm. starts fiddling on the piano i forget what that song is and then al comes in and he's blasted and he's just all sorts of drunk he reminds me of like uh oh man what's that one disney character um
0: the uncle i guess from the aristocats (laughs) the drunk drunk guy (laughs) oh like and that was in mary pop wait no no is that the different guy i'm I'm getting people confused, I think.
1: I am, too. But I feel like you're brushing over his um, downfall into drunkardness. He, like, runs away, Al does, he, like, runs away from his family, mm-hmm. and he's all drunk, and they go, I forget what, they wanted to do something quiet, and then it's to the bar. It's just all of, three of these stories are all, like, really quick. They just touched back, like base at home. We're like, oh, nope, mm-hmm. nope, nope, can't do this, and all three of them like, I got to get a drink, I got to get a drink. And Al's was the most prolific, and they had, like they show a montage of him just getting more and more hammered, and they're at all these different oh, yeah. places, and he's like, another drink! Another drink! And um, his wife's like, um, I'm getting tired, and he's like, what? There's another place right here! Pull over! And then his daughter, mm-hmm. for some reason, pulls over, and then they go into butches, so... I felt like there was yeah. a lot more build up there, so sorry that I had to detour and go back.
0: But <laughs> No, yeah, they're basically chaperoning him. Um they're kind of they're allowing him to do to go and do whatever he wants because he just came back from a war. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time they're not really drinking mm-hmm. like he is, and they're definitely sober mm-hmm. and he is getting more and more and more out of control drunk.
1: Yes, yeah, just like I was like, he's gonna throw up soon, like he's gone bar ho it was like a yeah. A, you know 20 something year old going bar hopping kind of drunk like philadelphia story level drunk like yeah he was hammered
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: but they kind of they kind of allow him to go on with it as long they're just like we're gonna i think they're like we're gonna take care of him he's gonna be okay but i was worried for something them that, that we don't know about that he just needs to kind of get out of his system or something y-
1: yeah yeah that's it they maybe that's what they saw but i was worried for them that they were gonna like oh shit like this is gonna suck like he's gonna be out of control and Uh, Something bad's going to happen or anything. I feel like the tension was building with them. But as soon Mm. as he walks into the bar, or they like carry him into the bar, kind of, it's all gone. (laughs) Because he's so happy to see Fred and Homer. Just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, whenever you're drunk and you see a good friend, you're like, hey! (laughs) And And
0: if you think there's going to be tension between... Fred or Al and his family, it changes whenever he gets Butch to play that song and yes. he, him and his wife dance together.
1: Cause he's kind of ignoring his wife. There's like, um, yeah. Well, Fred can't find his wife. Uh, she left their parents. And then, um, Homer is, you know, he's really depressed and he's scared and he's like shutting him. His is the saddest reason why he's not being affectionate and open and warm to his, uh, fiance, his girlfriend um and then al though he's just kind of being a little a little distant with his wife he's not being quite as affectionate i think she just wants to hug him and kiss him and you know be happy and everything you can see it in her eyes but she's holding back and waiting Mm -hmm. for her for him to come to her um and he finally does with that song it's like it must be like they're i don't know i really like it. it must be their song or something but yeah
0: haven't... i think it, that's the kind of impression i got that was the song that they danced to at their wedding or that was the first song they ever danced to they're like as soon as it starts playing they both have a, like a look to each other kind of a thing mm-hmm.
1: and then he's all yeah. lovey-dovey with his wife again and he's essentially good to go minus the horrible horrible alcoholism that he has
0: <laughs> yeah um <laughs> While he's doing some great drunken dancing and, and his wife is doing the best she can to kind of keep him upright, mm-hmm. um, Fred is flirting with Al's daughter, Peggy, mm-hmm. at, in the little booth, and they're kind of hitting it off.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: And then uh, eventually, Butch takes Homer home. <laughs> That's Homer home. And Al, his family, and Fred kind of close the place down. Um, on their way, on their way out, Peggy's driving, and they drop Fred off where he thinks his wife lives. And it's, but they, he kind of is like trying to push the little buzzer to get buzzed in. Yeah. And he kind of just like falls on the floor. He's so drunk. Yeah. And
1: um, um, at the beginning, whenever Fred was like, "Hey, cab driver, wait, um, wait up here so we can watch Homer, make sure he gets in." Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What's her name? What's her name? Peggy. Peggy, right? Peggy. Yeah. She's like, hold on, can we? Let's wait here for a second. And then, sure enough, he can't get in and slinks down to the floor. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and so they go and, and pick him back up and pull him back in the car and they take him home and they let Fred sleep at their house at their apartment.
0: Yeah, and there's a little funny little moment where they put him in the back seat with Al, and both of them are like drunk, passed out, and like spooning each other basically in the back <laughs> seat of the car <laughs> as the women, you know, are driving them home and taking care of them.
2: Uh, they, they get... needed it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm. and then they get back to their place and peggy puts fred to sleep um in her bed and she goes to sleep and the on it, the couch
1: makes an uncomfortable drunk advancement on her advance on her yeah he does yeah um, and then she just turns him down she's like nope, nope shuts him out and then leaves
0: yeah and then al's wife is getting al ready to sleep and so the women have again put their the men to sleep and they check in and they're like, all right, you'll be okay out here? Okay, cool. Good night. And then. But when she's yeah. putting Al
1: to sleep, it's a lot more work.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, he's a lot more. He's like still singing the song and like drunkenly mumbling to himself. And Fred is basically completely passed out whenever Peggy's doing it. But he doesn't stay yeah. that way. Nope. Uh, we hear Peggy's asleep on the couch and we hear some talking and we start to hear something gets louder and louder we start to hear shouting and then fred is full-on sleep talking clear as day he's having some sort of ptsd nightmare flashback thing
1: there you guys jump
0: get out of there Bail out kudoski kudoski get out of that plane
2: two shoots open three
1: come on on, the rest of you guys fred come on get
2: out fred wake up kudoski wake up kudoski she's burning up stay alone, Fred, Fred wake up, wake up to the out It's all right, Fred. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go back to
0: sleep Fred.: I was shocked kind of how far they were taking it with this movie, about its depiction of A soldier's struggles with PTSD and adjusting back to you know, regular life, quote unquote. Um,
1: so I was too. And then I, it made me just even happier. And I like this movie even more. And I was just like, so glad that Greg Toland was in it. And I can just associate Greg Toland with, you know, movies with like really um, forward and honest mm-hmm. ideas and just like true, true humanity, I guess. Like that's real life right there. That's not sugar coded, yeah. you know, that's, and it's right after the facts too. It is. It's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. They could have ignored this and brushed right over this and tried to paint a happy picture to sell to every you know one of the ex-soldiers and everything to like just came back from the war. Just be like, hey, this is what your life's supposed to be. It's supposed to be great and everything, you know. But this was a real, real picture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's. It's cool. I like didn't even think that you know, the United States knew about these issues or it was like, you know, we're not like necessarily proud about these. Like, um, we don't have the best history of taking care of our veterans in this country. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, and especially with men too, dealing with mental health issues and back in the forties, like, you know, that's not, Mm -hmm. they probably didn't have that much support or probably weren't too proud or confident to come out and ask for help or anything like that. So this movie may have helped people back then who were struggling with this, like, So I was very happy about when this happened.
0: I love how they address later on with some of the characters and how like how they basically just need to suck it up, kind of a thing. Like that mentality of like that toxic thing around men and mental health, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they address it in the movie too. And I love I love how they do that. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that when it comes up. But uh, I agree with everything you said. I think this movie probably did a lot of very um, a lot of good healing. And a lot of um, this movie actually probably accomplished a lot of good. I think so. um, Hopefully,
2: Um,
0: Fred wakes up the next day. He has breakfast with Peggy in the kitchen, and he asks her why she's not married, and and she kind of says, "Well, the best of the guys around here already are."
1: Oh, and she looks Uh, at him as she says that, and she's
0: like, mm -hmm. Mm "Mm-hmm." And then she goes off for work downtown as a nurse, and she takes Fred with her. To drop him off, and and then Al wakes up and kind of stumbles into the shower with his clothes on. <laughs> uh, he's still probably drunk from the night before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then it cuts back to the car with Fred and Peggy, and they're flirting a little bit more in the car. And then we go back to the house, and Millie's preparing breakfast in bed for Al, and and he embraces her, and and then Peggy takes Fred back um, to the place where his wife lives, and. He rings the bell to get buzzed in, and there's nothing. That, and then
1: that first embrace, hold on the first embrace with Alan Millie's, was, um, it wasn't the first embrace, but that was the moment when he was like, "Okay, I got that out of my system." He is the oldest mm-hmm. of the three, and yeah, he kind of gets through this first mental uh, block, this first hurdle, I guess, coming back from the war of you know not being able to show affection. He gets over that real quick, and this is that moment and it's it's nice it's really i felt really good for his wife i was like oh good thank god that he's not just like gonna be a drunk uh, a-hole the rest of the movie and you know just continue being drunk and lose his job and be all sad because the tagline for this movie where it was like three vets struggling with their you know trauma <laughs> mm-hmm. from the war yeah <laughs> like uh-oh
0: yeah, we're gonna be in for a rough one. Yeah,
1: this, hopefully this movie gets better at the end. Their lives get better, mm-hmm. and it's not like a sarcastic "best years of our lives."
0: <laughs> right, and that's kind of—I don't even know exactly what the title's referring to. Oh, I think somebody um, says it at one point in the movie. Yeah, um Fred's wife does, but yeah. um, but she does it in a very sarcastic way. Yeah, she does it in a very sarcastic way. He, um, oh, he's so he's at Fred's at his the building where his wife lives and he rings the bell to get buzzed in and there's no, no response. And just when he's about to give up a guy just like walks into the door and he kind of laughs cause the door has been open the whole time. <laughs> and so, so Peggy drives off and he goes in and uh, he gets to the right apartment and he rings the doorbell and wakes up his wife and she opens the door and she's super excited to see him and, and they embrace and she's just full of like jitters and just super excited and And you get a sense that they really did love each other um, Mm -hmm. early on. Um, But, you know, we're going to learn maybe not quite so much nowadays. They would go crazy uh, for these two. (laughs)
1: Not so much. Not so much.
0: (laughs) Back at Al, he gets a call from Mr. Milton, his old boss at the bank, and they want him back at work. Um, But he's kind of worried and thinking about all the other guys who don't have quite as many opportunities and resources as he has. and he's. He's a little more conflicted about his job at the bank basically. Mm-hmm. And that's going to play out in a lot of different ways as he kind of goes he does eventually go back to work.
2: Mhm.
0: Um Fred also goes back to his old place where he used to be a soda jerk at a drugstore and he that's sees a funny his old
1: title by the way.
0: Yeah, a soda jerk. <laughs> basically a jerk. <laughs> like, what do you want a coke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a soda jerk. <laughs> yeah
1: he's just i don't know it's a weird weird title he's a barista basically a bartender for ice cream and
0: sodas Mm um
1: but yeah he's a a jerk (laughs) also he's a jerk
0: (laughs) his old boss at the drugstore he sold his the drugstore to a bigger company but he still works there kind of like in charge of the pharmacy or something Mm -hmm. um and they the ba- they basically offer him his old job back, but working for the guy that used to be his assistant. His okay. assistant is now has gonna be his boss.
1: So I'm gonna Google this right now while we're on it. Okay, maybe not. It was Walgreens, maybe. They're at. A, he's working at a drugstore, and it gets bought out by like a corporate. um mm-hmm. calls it? hmm And I thought I thought it was called midway pharmacy or something but it's essentially like a cvs or a walgreens like yeah one of these yeah convenience stores with um overpriced everything and Mm -hmm. you know it's
0: got a pharmacy in there too and (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's definitely something like that and they they like later on he gets a job working at the perfume stand and the perfume is like all ridiculously expensive
1: and he says that stuff he's like you know you could buy this but it's not gonna do anything you could buy that and you're gonna be overpriced if it was half price (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. how about some lotion here's one at two dollars and 98 cents
1: and you'd be overcharged at half the price
0: Meanwhile, Al's in the opposite direction. He goes back to his old job and they offer him a promotion to be the vice, to be like vice president in charge of like handing out the loans to soldiers. Um, The GI Bill that it it was enacted after World War II to help soldiers kind of get readjusted and reintegrated back into the economy and civilian life. Um, Apparently a provision of that was to give them small business loans. And so they're like, hey, Al was already a great banker or employee maybe if we give him this position his experience with being a soldier will help him um in being able to disperse these loans um so he gets a promotion where fred is kind of stagnant maybe even a little bit lower on the scale mm-hmm. um, and then back to fred He's, and marie oh no go is, ahead um
1: Fred, oh, Fred and Marie. Did you say he got a promotion? I'm sorry. Go back. We were just talking Al. about Fred. Al. Yeah, Al. Okay.
0: Back at his job, he's the VP, the vice president in charge of giving out the loans that's to right. GIs yeah, right. off of the
1: GI Bill. Um, The other guy, Fred, you haven't talked about him at the Walgreens place
0: again. Right, he's not. He hasn't gone back there. I mean, as far as we we, they basically offered him his old job back, and he's like, I don't know. He's got to work underneath
1: his like old, the old yes. person that he trained, and his name was something yeah, funny, Sticky a, something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Later on, there's a moment. Where he's like, "Don't call me that. I'm not called that anymore." And it's like,
1: "Hey, Skunky or whatever his name is, <laughs> Sticky something." Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Fred and Marie are back at their apartment. They're planning to go out that evening um and she's like wear your uniform i want to impress my friends and he's like i'm never wearing this thing again and she's like oh please do it for me and he's like all right just this one last time but she she just looks at it like his uniform's like a trophy kind of a thing
1: yep she's like do it for me please like no one will know
0: yeah again i put like the the gap the divide between them they just don't understand their experiences Mm mm-hmm um we jump back over to homer see, catch up with see what he's been going on and doing and he's practicing shooting a gun in the woodshed which is very bizarre
1: it's like there's a kid's like just sitting outside of the shed and um wilma walks by and he's like where's fred and I'm like he's in there mm-hmm. shooting. she goes
0: yeah he goes in or wilma goes in there to talk to him about about the two of them but there's some kids that are outside trying to get a peek uh, at his hands basically and hits his sister, his his young sister that kind yeah. of is the ringleader for this. Mm-hmm. And he freaks out and he like punches and breaks through the windows and it's like screaming at them He's like, "Is this what you want to see?" And they kind of run off. Um, and then later that night, his there's a really kind of touching scene where his dad is helping him get ready for bed, and it's like this long unbroken shot that focuses largely on homer's face as he's smoking a cigarette and his dad is like undoing the harnesses that are removed to remove his hooks so that and getting his pajamas on so that he can go to sleep and it's just very vulnerable and you can just see like his helplessness look on his face yeah
1: it's so sad like Dad, I'm ready to go to bed. And I was like, it took me a second to realize what was going on. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh man.
0: Mm-hmm. Every night he has to knock on his dad's door to help him. This, you know, is he's a grown man, you know, to help this guy to help him uh, get ready for bed.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Fred comes home to Marie after a day of uh, looking for jobs, and he says they've run all out of money. Um, and that he hasn't been able to get a job. He saved up like a thousand bucks from, from his army paychecks, and they've run through all of it going out every night, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's like, and I haven't been able to get a job, so he's got some groceries, and they're gonna, he's gonna cook dinner for her, and she's like, but I want to go out, and he's like, Mm-mm, we don't got the money for that. And, and Marie starts asking, like, I'm wondering if you've been all right in your mind or in your head or something like that. Because she's like, you're still having those nightmares where you keep yelling for Godowski or Godarski or whatever. And she basically just tells him to snap out of it and get past it and stop thinking about it and move on. That's the only way you're going to move on is if you move on. And just so condescending and Mm -hmm. so hurtful and just not understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's not the first, that's not the last time that he encounters this kind of these kinds of words. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like we were talking about earlier. This is that kind of toxic idea that how men are supposed to suck it up and just how they're supposed to um, act or react around mental health issues like PTSD or depression or whatever it is. You're just like, suck it up, snap out of it, move on kind of a thing. And it, that just makes the problems worse more often than not. Mm-hmm. And Always. he's getting it from his own wife.
1: Yeah. No, she's not really present.
2: No,
0: not at all. She's very selfish, and just kind of wants to go out and have fun all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but Fred, he did. He does get a job after this. He gets his job at, at uh, working for his old assistant, selling perfume. And his old his old assistant fifty a week or a month or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's yeah. Not not much. And. Uh, And then we'll go back to him. Um, There's like a a moment where Al is back at his job and he's meeting with a former GI who's applying for a loan to buy a farm. Mm -hmm. And Al asks him, well, what kind of collateral you got, you know, property valuables, real, uh, you know, anything like that. He's like, I got none of that. he's like, that's what I'm applying to the loan so I can get some of that. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, in this moment, it's like Al really wants to help, but he's really limited by the bank and what they're going to allow him to do. Um, but luckily for for Al's kind of sense of character and morality, he sees Homer in the bank at that time. And Homer's there. It seems like he's getting some sort of like stipend or disability check or something. Mm-hmm. He gets like 200 bucks. Um, I don't know how often it seems like for from the army or from the government or something. So he's there, and and uh, you know Al and Homer are joking around and having a good time, and he shakes his hand, and then Homer goes off, and then Al goes back to the guy, and he's like, you know what, I'm giving you the loan. Um, I think if he doesn't see Homer in that moment, he doesn't give the loan. Mm-hmm. But Homer seeing Homer was like, yeah, I got to do the right thing here mm-hmm. and give this guy the loan. Yeah,
1: it's like the other. So Al and Fred you know they can take off their uniform they can get jobs and they can go back to their regular life right but poor homer is you know he's got those hooks for the rest of his life like he's going to be constantly Mm -hmm. reminded of the trauma um every Mm -hmm. time he has to do anything
0: yeah it's yeah he can't escape it
1: and so when fred and al see him they're just like oh yeah i remember who i am Mm -hmm. and they can they do the right thing it's really sweet it's really uh, inspiring uplifting
0: Mhm. Then we go back to Fred. He's selling perfume to a lady whose son is just a, a total nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um he's just like breaking everything in the store and uh luckily Peggy gets there and she goes she's there to say hello and then and and Fred's like you want to go have lunch together? I've got my lunch break coming up soon and so they go off to lunch at a restaurant. Mhm. And he tells her Um, about his dreams when he was you know off fighting in the war he's like you know when i got back i dreamed of two things that when i when the war ended to never go back to that drugstore and to have a a home out in the suburbs and uh you know he's back at the drugstore you know fred is basically depressed Mm -hmm. um and and, you know, they, oh, we got to get back to work. And so they're about to get back in the car. Peggy's about to leave. And just as he opens the door for her or something, and right before she gets in, he leans in and he kisses her. Mm. And he says something like, it shouldn't have happened, but it had to happen. Um, and so this is the the official, like, beginning of, like, okay, love triangle going on. Yep. <laughs> Um, Al's boss tells Al that he shouldn't... He calls him into his office and he's like, you shouldn't have given that guy the loan. Um, but, you know, you need to exercise more caution in the future. And Al gives a little speech about how, you know, the guy didn't have collateral, but he saw the collateral within the guy. It's a really good like, speech, yeah. His character, you know, like his... He's like he's fought with guys like that, and that his personality, his character, is the collateral that was required for me to give the loan. Mm-hmm. And Al becomes kind of like a moral crusader, you know. It's awesome. He goes social justice, uh, you know, advocate. Yeah, hero. Yeah, and it, he gives another great speech later on in the movie about this kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we get back to Fred. He goes home and learns that. Marie took a call from Peggy that she, that Peggy and another guy are inviting them to go on a double date, double date as guests. And as guests, meaning like Peggy and the other guy are going to pay for it. And so Marie's like, yes, we get to go out because we don't have any money to spend. We don't have to spend any of the money (laughs) um, they offered. And Fred's like, you need to call her back and decline. Um, We're not doing that. And, and Marie gets pissed off at him and, uh, Eventually, they do go back, and they do go on the date, but uh, um, Al's wife tells Al about the double date, and se- and Al's wife's like, I think Peggy likes Fred, mm-hmm. and so they go and talk to her about it, and Peggy admits that she's in love with him, but mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be, which is why she invited them on a double date, so she can get over it by meeting Fred's wife.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so she's trying to do the right you know, she is. Thing. She felt bad, and it's the
1: same day as their lunch date. It's like mm-hmm. a love triangle, sure. And you know, she's she talks about it. She's like, So, what if I'm gonna be called a home wrecker? She's like, I've made up my mind, kind of thing. Like, I'm gonna right. go for it. Um, maybe that's later on in the movie, but still, she's like trying to be genuine here. This this scene, though, they talk to her and they're like, What are you gonna do here? And she's like, I'm just going, this is gonna be the end of it. Like. I'm going to see him in love with her and I'm Mm going to be genuine here. Like, and then the feelings will stop after that. I will be good. I promise. Like, I feel terrible about that kiss. Let's, I need to go out to dinner with them. Right. But before the dinner thing, um, whenever Fred was taking off his uniform or he didn't have his uniform on, um, Mm -hmm. there's a scene where he comes back from an interview. There's a scene where he goes to an interview at that, maybe it's the pharmacy or something. And he's just so depressed and he's just talking so poorly about himself. And, you know, He's in the mm-hmm. war and they're like, what'd you do while you were gone over all those four years? You know, and he's a bomber and he was flying planes and he like sets him up to just say, yes, you know, I, I did this. He's like, mm-hmm. did you oversee any other troops or anything? Have any, uh, leadership you know, positions or were you able to organize and manage things and adapt it whatever? and whatever? he's like, no, I pretty much nah. just dropped bombs. I just dropped mm-hmm. bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Did't like, wanna... but you were
0: a captain? weren't you in charge of some people? He's like, nah, I wasn't in charge of anybody. Yeah, I forgot about that moment.
1: yeah, and it's it's really telling to you know where he's at. And then he he's like in that suit that he was in the interview for, and then he comes home to his apartment and his wife's like, her you can see it in her face. She like is super excited when he's at the door and then she like looks at him and does not an up and down. He's like, oh ew like what is this suit like put on the uniform again like uh you're only attractive in the uniform and then mm-hmm. he's like i'm never wearing it again she's like oh please but by this scene this dinner event here with uh, peggy and uh, who's the guy that she brings some
0: yeah i don't remember his name. <laughs> just like <laughs> mr some... plot device i think yeah. his name <laughs> yeah
1: mr available um yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, he's like, Fred's all in a nicer suit at this point, or a little bit nicer suit that um, his wife, I'm sure, picked out for him and um, Mm -hmm. made him wear, and he just is like all sorts of not happy in so many different ways. He's not secure at all.
0: Right. Um, But before they go on this double date, the bank is having a dinner to celebrate Al, and his wife is kind of making tally marks on the tablecloth with her fork about how many drinks that he's had. And just as about he's about to give a speech, um, she makes like the fifth tally mark. So he's pretty good and plastered by the time he's making this speech. And before he yeah. even leaves his house, yeah, I guess the fifth tally mark. He's chugging everything,
1: and that's mm-hmm. like a thing he's got every time he's about to leave the house. He's like, wait, 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 wait. one more drink, one more drink, one more drink, one more right. drink.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Problem, but he gets Definitely up. alive now. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And he gets up and he starts to give a speech where it sounds like he's about to badmouth the bank and say some really damning things that might end up in him getting fired. Um, his wife like clears her throat at one point and like stops him in his tracks before he goes too too far. Um, and then he gives a he switches gears and he starts giving a really good speech about you know. When he's like, what his goal is for his job, Um, he's like, I'm going to give out so many small loans to people that there's going to be a line wrapped around our building of people trying to get loans from us. And they're all going to get loans. And people are going to be like, you're taking some big risks and gambling. And he's like, you know what? We are, but we're gambling on the future of the country. And he's like, and that's a bet that I'm willing to make. And his wife looks at him with love and, and you know everyone starts applauding at the end of his speech and she goes over and kisses him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and even his boss, it's like kind of pissed at him for giving out free money to these GIs. Um, mm-hmm. He's like looking at him, he's like, damn it, okay, that was a good way to finish that. I'd look like a fool if I said anything bad about that. Like I can't go back with anything.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, checkmate.
0: Yeah, now we go to the double date. Um. Yeah. Pe- Peggy's date's... You know, Peggy and his and her date are talking, and and the date says like, you know, Fred and Marie they don't really like each other, or something, <laughs> and uh, and then Peggy and Marie go to the bathroom, and they are sitting in front of like a mirror that's like three mirrors, you know, it's like one here and then there's two that are kind of angled on the sides of it, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there doing their makeup, and the camera keeps. We, we've, I talk I'm always impressed by reflection shots and mirror shots and the camera keeps panning back and forth between these three mirrors that are all at different angles um, in this long unbroken shot while they're talking about their guys um, and it's really impressive cinematography mm-hmm. um, and you know Marie's talking about oh Peggy you should you should really get the stick with this guy he's you know you, he's the kind of, he's got half the, he owns half the city or his family owns half the city he's got all this money. You don't want to get stuck with someone like Fred, basically, who's working at a drugstore and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she, in this moment, that's like when Peggy kind of makes up her mind about Fred and what she wants to do. Um, But uh, it's, it's a really, I think, a really revealing scene about Fred's wife, but also for Peggy's development about what she wants to do and what type of person she wants to be. And then they go back out there and they get their picture taken. But it's like Marie is sitting next to... It's like Peggy's boyfriend, then Marie, then Peggy, and then Fred. And like Marie puts her arms around Peggy's boyfriend and Fred puts his arm around Peggy. Um, it's a very bizarre thing. But anyway, they get their picture taken and then and we go know, back like, home. They do at
1: all in the picture, Fred. Oh, is yeah. like just staring kind of off towards... Uh, Towards Peggy, Peggy a little bit but not like directly at her and then Peggy's like not smiling at all. Um mm-hmm. Marie's super happy up front with uh, that other dude.
0: <laughs> well, and she's trying to stage like they're all having a conversation. So I think it just highlights how false Marie is. Yeah. She did, you yeah, know, she's not cool. She's all about appearances and just like that falseness and and she's the most false in the picture because she's like pretending like she's having this happy great time in this conversation. And everyone else is just kind of being genuine, but odd and weird.
2: Now
1: everybody get in close together. We're all palsy wowsy. Put our arms around each other. Come on, Fred. I don't mind. wait a minute. I'll tell you when. Now everybody happy. Let's all be talking. Oh, what a marvelous party. We'll have to do this again right away.
2: Okay, shoot the picture. And
0: then Peggy is back at home and she tells her parents that she's in love with Fred and she's going to break up Fred's marriage. Um, and that's like, he's it's like, a, I don't
1: I was, care if I'm going to be a home wrecker. You can call me what you want. I am doing it. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's like, this poor like,
1: man served in yeah. our army and he is back here. And she's like, if she's not going to love him and he's going to be miserable, he's like, that's terrible. I don't want to see him wither away and not achieve his dreams and just be sad And she's like, nobody deserves that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and really cool. she's like, and Peggy's like, you guys don't, to her parents, she's like, y'all don't understand. You've had it easy. And her mom, says she's like oh we've had it easy Mm -hmm. and she she's like al how many times have i said that i hated you and believed it in my heart Mm -hmm. um how many times you know like all these things and peggy's like her worldview is shattered Mm -hmm. and that's that's real like you're in a relationship with someone you fight Mm -hmm. you tell each other that you're mad at each other you hate each other or whatever it's like and it's like and then peg and then peggy's mom's like how many times have we fallen back in love again? And, but Peggy didn't see any of this or hear any of this kind of a thing and had no idea. And so she just like starts crying.
1: And meanwhile, Al's like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He's like, yeah, you're right. We've done that, honey. Yes. We have hated each other and fallen back in love. We got any whiskey or something. I was like, where's my drink? (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, they have a really good moment where Millie and Peggy are, um, where I guess the mom's just comforting her daughter and, you know. It's a, it's a good moment. It's a really cool moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peggy's she's just crying there while her mom's holding her. And then we go, and then Al goes, and he meets up with Fred, uh, I think at Butch's, and he's asks Fred if he's in love with Peggy, and Fred says yes. And then Fred gets convinced by Al to never see Peggy again, basically. and Because so, Fred's, yeah. like,
1: even though Fred's his, you know, they loves him, and he's like, my brother, my, you know, they're just their best friends they were like with each other through the loneliness of all this after world war ii but he still Mm -hmm. like sees him kind of as this jerk the soda jerk (laughs) yeah like you know ladies man kind of thing like he's not really a you know the one you want to marry your daughter kind of thing Mm -hmm. which isn't really fair you know poor fred right
0: right and fred goes off to a a phone back in the back of butch's to call peggy and say we're not going to hang out anymore basically and Homer walks in and he shows, he's like, hey, Al, look yes. what me and Butch have been practicing. Yes. And so he goes over to the piano and, um, what is it? Chopsticks? It's chopsticks. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's playing on the piano with. Butch is doing the left side of the piano and, and, uh, Homer is playing on the right side of the piano with his hooks and he's able to, you know, hit one key at a time kind of a thing. And then he's able to slide his hooks across the keyboard and, It's really, really cool.
1: It's really cool. And I was just like, oh, it's big. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, cool. I don't know. It's a good song. It's a cool moment. um, And it's uplifting. And Homer is just, I don't know. He just makes me happy and sad. He's just such a sweet, sweet guy.
0: But the other really interesting thing about this scene is that it's a typically Greg Toland, deep focus, Citizen Kane-esque shot.
1: Oh, yeah. There's so much going on.
0: Because on the left side, in the foreground, we've got Homer and Butch playing the piano. And then, on the right oh, side of the screen... Fred,
1: Fred runs out in this scene.
0: Yeah, well, on the right side of the screen, we have Al in the middle, kind of, of the shot. And he's watching them. And then he'll every now and then, he'll look over his shoulder at Fred in the deep background on the phone, calling Peggy.
1: That's right, that's right. And,
0: uh, and it's, you know, Al's watching him over his shoulder while Homer are playing. So, like, he's smiling while he's seeing Homer all happy. And then he's also concerned as he's seeing Fred, his other pa- pal, kind of having to call his daughter um, over the thing. It's just a cool, uh,
1: like, you know, I mean, and it, it's effective in this because it's these people's lives. They've got all these different problems, but they're all trying to be held together and keep track of each other, make sure everyone's OK. And, you know, you've got Homer with progress over here and he's doing something positive and he's, you know using his hooks to create something and to do something that brings joy to everybody. And mm-hmm. that's really uplifting and fun. And then you've got the, the opposite on the other side, this really sad and like dark, not dark moment, but this just like the, the depressed character who's struggling with loneliness and, you know, not fitting in and not being loved is just been told like by the middleman that, you know, you can't love my daughter. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. there's so much contrast and everything going on. You're right. This was a really great shot.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, The next scene is Homer goes to see Fred at work at the drugstore. He goes to sit at the counter as Fred is kind of behind the counter making ice cream sundaes and stuff. And there's another guy sitting at the counter next to Homer and he's giving Homer grief about, uh, you know, America got suckered into this war and (laughs) all kinds of stuff yeah
1: homer's like uh, excuse me did you just say i was a sucker
0: like mm-hmm.
1: do you see these like hooks on those... my hands
0: <laughs> yeah or all those guys that i saw die when my ship got sunk they're all suckers uh-huh and the guy's like that's the un... that's the hard truth of it or something you know look here mister what are you selling anyway
2: i'm not selling anything but plain old-fashioned americanism
0: some americanism so we're all a bunch of suckers eh? so we should have been on the side of the japs and the nazis eh?
2: Again, I say, just look at the facts.
0: I've seen a couple of facts. I've seen a ship go down and over 400 of my shipmates went with it. Were those guys suckers?
2: That's the unpleasant truth. And the sooner we get wise to it, the better off we're going to... If I only had my hands. You put those down!
1: Yeah, no, the guy, Uh, it's a very isolationist viewpoint that the guy's giving. He's like, America never should have gotten into that. And he's like, honestly, like the Japs and the Germans, like we, they they didn't have any problem with us before, you know, Uh, but then. Well,
0: what he says is that we got, we fought the wrong people. He's basically saying the communists. We should have been fighting Russia, but we're on Russia's side, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, and Homer's getting more and more pissed. And eventually. Um, The guy's wearing like an American flag thing On his lapel Mm -hmm. And Homer takes his hooks And he he rips it off off And throws it on the ground And then the guy starts They start fighting Homer and the guy start fighting And he's like if I didn't have these hooks Basically and then Fred comes over And boom punches the guy And he goes straight through a glass display case Mm -hmm. And of course Fred is instantly fired
1: Yep instantly I mean he did the right thing I forget Fred like he tr- almost jumped in earlier or something. He's like, don't, he's like, watch it, bud. Like, don't do it. Don't do anything uh-huh. stupid or anything like that. Um, and then he keeps going. And Fred, you know, <laughs> Homer's getting pushed yeah. around. Like any spectator that saw that, you see <laughs> some jerk, you know, pushing around some guy with no hands. Um, right. Fred is in the right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he yeah. stood up for him here, but he gets fired instantly on the spot. Get out of my store, kind of thing. By the mm-hmm. little stinky or whatever that guy's name was, the, mm-hmm. his old uh, underling before the war.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, before they leave, Homer picks up the American flag lapel pen and sticks it in his pocket, mm-hmm. and then Fred and Homer are walking home, basically, um, and on their way home, Fred encourages Homer to get married to Wilma as soon as he can before, and before he jumps on a bus to go home.
1: This is such a good moment, because I feel like uh, he's shut down Wilma a couple times. Uh, well, no, I guess he didn't since then. But he just had the happy moment at the Butch's.
0: <laughs> well, it's because he's he. Wilma keeps saying that she loves him and wants to be with him, um, but he doesn't. He can't believe it. Yeah, he's you know saying, you he can't internalize it. that.
1: Yeah, he's projecting. He's like, yeah. You don't want it. I know you don't. Like you're gonna you, mm-hmm. you freak out. That's what I was prepared for. Is you to freak out. And yeah, I know well, you. you'll will. stick
0: with me for a little bit while, but then you're gonna change your mind once you realize the the true challenges of being in a relationship with me and what that really means.
1: And she's just so sad. And she's always looking at him like you idiot. Like, no, I do love you. Like I was, I don't care if you come back in and not at an all in one piece entirely. Like I'm glad you're back kind of thing,
0: you yeah. know? And so this next scene that we're about to go into is probably the, my favorite scene in the movie. Um, Homer goes back home that night. He goes downstairs to get some milk before bed and Wilma enters into the door. And uh, she's come over to talk to him. Uh, Her family, she says her family wants her to go away to her aunt's place, but she wants to stay. Basically, her family wants her to forget about Homer. Mm -hmm. She wants to get over him, move on kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And she asks him, do you want me to forget about you? And just, he's like, just tell me, let me know. And if you want me to forget about you, I will go to my aunt's house and try to move on. She's like, that's not what I want. But, and he's like, I just want you to be free, Wilma. You know, every woe is me kind of thing. You know, he's he's just putting a lot on him. He's like, I'm I'm too. You know, it's gonna be life with me is gonna be too challenging. You don't want me. You can do so much better than me. Kind of like that stuck in that self pity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And 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 but she's like, but I want to be with you. And and Homer is like, okay. And I think as an act of true vulnerability. And a kind of a test of her he's like all right come upstairs and so you can see what it'll be really like for you your future and she asks and he shows her shows her basically how he has to get ready for bed this is when i know i'm helpless my hands are down there on the bed i can't put them on again without calling to somebody for help i can't smoke a cigarette or read a book that door should blow shut, I can't open it and get out of this room. Mr. was dependent as a baby that doesn't know how to get anything except cry
2: for it. Well, now you know, Wilma. Now you have an idea of what it is. I guess you don't know what to say. It's all right. Go on home. Go away like your family said.
0: He's like, go on. You need to get out of here kind of a thing. And... And then she says that she'll lo- she loves him and she'll never leave him, and they kiss. She puts his hooks away, oh, the and then tears. he he kind of admits that he loves her, and they embrace. And she tucks him into bed, says good night, kisses him again, turns out the light, and leaves. And he's lying there in bed with a smile and tears on his face, and I also have a smile and tears on my Same.
2: face. I know what to say, Homer. I love you, and I'm never going to leave you. Never.
1: I was so happy that they, I mean, that was just such a sweet moment. Just so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid that he was going to be alone. I didn't, I was like, is this movie going to be like a really, really dark? Ending? Right. Like it's, uh, and there's a moment where Homer is like cleaning his gun in the shed and, you know, he's talking with Wilma earlier and, um, you know, she's so worried for him and he's just like, you know, doing what he does in the army and everything. And he's, you know, inspecting mm-hmm. the gun, and he, you know, looks down the barrel and everything. She's like, is that loaded? And it's like, he's like, of course it's not loaded. How dare you think that? It's like, oh, this is my job, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. like, that's a, the, that fear was implanted in me early on. I was like, oh my gosh, right. like if she leaves, too. like he is really alone. Oh no, please like Homer, like don't you know, don't shut down right here at the end whenever she's like, my family wants me to leave and get over to you. Like, I don't want to do that. I thought he was going to shut her out. And then yeah. he instead lets her in so much. Like, I thought, it was, it was like, is he going to propose or something right there? But no, he did even better. That um, mm-hmm. yeah, was just such a sweet moment. I was in tears for sure at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, And we go from such a a great relationship with a wonderful woman in Wilma to um, the marie fred's wife back at her apartment and and she's there not with fred but with a guy named cliff scully Mm -hmm. and they're gonna go out that night and fred comes home early and kicks cliff scully out of the apartment but he sees some like wings on his lapel or something cliff has also served and and uh He's like, have you been able to adjust? She's like, it's real easy if you, to readjust if you just take everything in stride. So basically, this is like evidence that Marie can use. Like, Fred, you just need to suck it up like Cliff Scully. Um, he's been able to do fine and do all right for himself. Why can't you kind of a thing?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, She
1: found the validation or the confirmation <laughs> that she needed. You know, she mm-hmm. went out and made it true.
0: Yeah. And then this is where the line with the title of the movie gets mentioned she gets real mad at fred and says she gave up the best years of her life on on him and that she's gonna ask for she's getting a divorce
2: which
1: uh, and... reality that the, the uh, every who left you know to go fight in world war ii they gave up the best years of their of our lives of their lives for right everybody in the united states and then they come back and everyone's being selfish i think mm-hmm the title of the movie speaks to something like that so it's like
0: i think so too
1: it's if you're ignorant enough to you know to not be appreciative and to not you know how do you forget so quickly afterwards or how is because you weren't there because you weren't directly impacted by it but you know you can still Mm -hmm. be sensitive to these things we still need to take care of these people that just gave their lives or offered attempted you know to give their lives for our country Right. And for the world, for so many people in this case.
0: Yeah. And so they're getting divorced. So Fred's like, I'm getting far away from Boone City. And she, right before the last thing we see, her, see of her, she's like, oh, there are plenty of drugstores everywhere. And then she slams the door on him.
1: Yeah, that's just a shitty thing to say on your way out. She sucks. Whenever yeah. she said that, I was like, oh, get out. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, Fred. Go work he... at a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah.
0: And Fred sees the picture of the four of them from the their their night out the other day, and and he tears, you know, Peggy's boyfriend and Marie out of the picture, and so it just leaves just him and Peggy in the picture. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he goes to his parents' house. He's packing up some more things before heading out of town for a fresh start. And another great scene where his father is reading a letter about Fred being awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. Um, and the kind of honor, or the bravery that he, and the courage that he sho- showed, to to get that medal, that award, um, and his father gets a little choked up as was, he's reading. It was so about... sweet
1: too. Poor Fred. Yeah. hmm He didn't want to... He... I, whenever I, I saw those, I remember the, his father was reading those um, those letters describing, you know, the great acts and stuff he did. I was like. <laughs> Fred. Like you're so sad. You could have gone and used that at your interview at the beginning. You could have been yeah. making so much more money. Like Marie sucks, but like you know, I mean, but it was a, he was struggling he, through everything.
0: Yeah, and but like uh, the the story that he that his father's reading, he was like selfless and he sac- you know he put aside his own pain, his own hurt to save the lives of his crew mm-hmm. and to you know successfully complete their mission and yeah that shows a lot of leadership skills that shows a lot of things that you could put on a resume and get a lot of better jobs than working at the as a soda jerk
1: not only that like say you you know bring those back to your apartment with your wife marie and they're just laying there you know and she reads that and then maybe she that could you know crack down the (laughs) the walls for her and be able Mm -hmm. to empathize with him but you know yeah. He w- didn't want any part of it, and I-, I understand that too. He just needed to needed space from it.
0: And Fred goes off to the airport, and he has some time before his flight, so he's walking through a plane graveyard basically. Um, and uh, it's this kind of unending thing of just like there's pl- you know planes after plane after plane that's just going to be taken down for scrap. And uh, he climbs up into one. He gets into like the front of it, and there's no dialogue here. It's just the music gets really intense as you kind of hear the sounds of planes and, you know, explosions and gunfire and all kinds of stuff.
1: Really cool shots and everything uh, moving, mm-hmm. you know, from he's like sitting where he would have sat if he was a bomber. Um, yeah. And the camera's like coming up kind of underneath the plane. Moves up Making forward. it look like it's flying. Yes, it's really cool.
0: And this was, I was watching this, this little interview of some people talking about the making of this movie and they said that this was a scene in the script where the scriptwriter came up to William Wyler and he's like, here's what I'm trying to do with this scene but I can't do it in dialogue because it's just this guy. And he's like, you're going to have to use your own experiences and your own, like, directorial camera techniques and stuff to be able to express this narrative that we're trying to tell without speaking. And then he's and, like, oh, I
1: got a guy. <laughs>
2: Greg. Yeah, he's like,
0: I got it. Greg, and but also like William Wyler. You know, he had experience being in bomber planes, and and you know, it's like this is a lot of his experience coming in, and how he frames this and and you know, plots this series of shots and everything out, and it works so well. It is a very interesting moment in the movie, and it's the music and the sound are just building and building until a man
2: yells hey, what, what and are you doing up there? his thoughts.
1: What
0: are you doing in that airplane? And he climbs down. Uh, Fred learns that they're taking the planes apart to build prefabricated houses. Pretty. Cool. And uh, Fred asks for a job, and he gets one.
1: Yeah, and he's much so more he's... Um, confident and you know straightforward and to the point and direct with everybody. Whenever he's asking for the job, and he's sure of mm-hmm. himself, and he knows that he's capable of doing this, and he's you get some sense that he's back. Um.
0: Yeah, and I think it ties in for a couple of things here, is that he was really depressed at the idea of, of these planes just being turned into scrap, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a symbolism of that, of like everything that he did is just being thrown away as junk now. It's yeah. not counted for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's being but...
1: rehabilitated, repurposed, all of those scraps right. being repurposed, and he sees that maybe like, oh, I can be rehabilitated too.
0: Well, but also the the he you know when he was talking with Peggy at their lunch date, he had two dreams: to never go back to that drugstore, right. and to have a home, his own house in the suburbs. And then he learns that the planes that he used to fly, the thing that he used to do that he thought this world didn't value anymore, those things are being turned into houses. And he can and I was like, help build oh, them. yeah, or yeah, he can help build them and provide houses for maybe himself, but for other people as well. And so I think yeah. he's found oh what i did does have purpose because i used to fly these planes and now these planes are being turned into houses mm-hmm. basically i think that there i think there's something to that um i might be reading a little much into it no no
1: no I think, I think not at all um
0: that's kind of how i took it and then uh, then we have the final scene here um we cut to wilma's parents house where homer and wilma are to be married and uh, Al, his wife, and Peggy arrive, and Al goes out to see Homer and his best man, Fred. Fred's different um, now, though. Yeah, he's different. He's much happier. He's moved back in with his parents. He's got a job. Um, he's making his way through through the world now with a new perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, then Fred, goes, but he seems a little bit
1: more stoic for a little while here. He doesn't seem like uh, outwardly happy. He seems a little. Mm-hmm. Um, focused. I guess it's just in his conversation before, with Peggy here before the actual wedding.
0: Yeah, he yeah he goes inside and he finds Peggy. He tells her about his job, um, you know, like just kind of very matter of factly. Um, then he goes to get Homer because he we we learn Wilma's ready. So he goes down and he gets Homer and they get all set up and. Wilma comes down the stairs as some kids and uh, Butch, I think, on the piano are singing "Here Comes the Bride."
1: That's really great. The kids are here. Comes. the... Okay, yeah. Wait until I. Okay. Here, here comes the bride. bride.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh, they Brandy exchange bride. vows. Fred looks. Fred's looking over at Peggy, and uh, there's a little moment when they're. It's time to come to put. The the time's come to put the rings on. Um, that there's like a little like how's this gonna go but homer does it pretty easily
1: yeah he's, he's got this <laughs> yeah
0: and they kiss and they're married and everyone moves to congratulate them except for fred and peggy and it's another very greg tolan citizen kane-esque he's shot staring
1: at her everyone's in focus
0: mm-hmm. everyone's in focus and the the, fr- the camera's framed while they're doing their vows and stuff it's like on the left you have fred and peggy and al and al's wife and then you have In the middle, you have um, Homer and Wilma, and then on the right, over Wilma's shoulder, you have Wilma's parents. And uh, everyone's lit, well lit, and you know, in frame and in focus. And doing different things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then they kiss. They they're married. Everyone comes over. Everyone in that frame moves to congratulate and gathers around Homer and Wilma. Except Fred and Peggy have remained in the exact same spots, looking at each other, and eventually fred walks over to wilma or fred walks over to peggy excuse me (laughs) um and kisses her professes his love for her he's like our life's gonna be difficult i'm not gonna make that much money um but i love you basically and she just smiles and kisses him back and that is the end of the best years of our lives
1: yay it ended good it ended actually like there were gonna be some good years ahead
0: right and I think that the best yeah exactly I think the best years of our lives is exactly what you said that you know so many people gave up the best years of their lives to fight in this war but also there's a it ends with a hopefulness like the best years of their lives all of them Fred um Al and Homer they might the best years of their lives might actually be ahead of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so um, it gets dark in the middle and what it seems like those are the best years of their lives and yeah Marie jumps mm-hmm. ship at that point but Fred's able yeah. to salvage it all at the end. Um, mm-hmm. It's
0: really cool. All right. So this movie comes out, and it gets really good reviews. I imagined it did. <laughs> uh, and it becomes the highest-grossing film of the decade. Wow. The, no, mo- no movie in the 40s made more money than The Best Years of Our Lives. It made over $10 million in the United States um, in box office revenue. Um, It's ranked as the eighth highest grossing movie of all time That was released before 1950 Um, It was like Gone with the Wind A couple of other movies and like four Disney movies But a lot of those movies got multiple releases And I don't think the best years of our lives ever did Mm -hmm. Um, So it's super successful critically and uh, commercially It gets nominated for eight Academy Awards Wow It wins seven of them. The only one it doesn't win is Best Sound Recording. The other seven that it gets nominated for, it wins. It gets Best Picture, Best Director for William Wyler, Best Actor for Friedrich March, who's Al Stevenson, um, Best Supporting Actor for Harold Russell, who's Homer, Mm -hmm. um, Best Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Score. Plus, it gets two honorary awards. Uh, Samuel Goldwyn, the producer, gets an Irving Thalberg Memorial Award for it. Wow. And the Academy, actually, because Harold Russell was a non-actor, they actually didn't think he stood a chance to get the supporting actor win in that competitive category. So they gave him another one? So they gave him an honorary award um, to Harold Russell because they thought that he didn't have very good chances to win the supporting actor one. Um, But he wins both, Um, so he makes him the only actor to win two Oscars for one performance.
1: That's awesome.
0: and then in 1989, it was one of the first batch of 25 films that the Library of Congress selected for preservation. And like I said, at the start, the American Film Institute ranked it at number 37 on both versions of its best 100 movies of all time list. And it's also ranked number 11 on their top 100 Cheers movies of, uh, of all time.
1: Yeah, this is a, it's definitely got some Cheers in it.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's all I got on Best Years of Our Lives before talking about what makes it great.
1: Yeah, let's get uh, into it. I think I went first last time,
0: yeah? Yeah, I think so, so I'll go first. Um, well, you know, the technically the deep focus of Greg Toland is fantastic throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the challenging subject matter. This is a movie about right when the, the war ends and people are coming home from the war, and it's about how people are dealing with that. And um, I think I saw a little clip from... The American Film Institute of Mel Brooks talking about this movie and how it was such a healing movie because people in you know theaters all across the country were dealing with these exact issues mm-hmm. and it just helped everybody kind of process it and, and move move through it together. Um, uh, Harold Russell, <clears throat> excuse me, Harold Russell's story, um, Homer's story in this movie, um, and his performance is some of the most real. Acting that we've seen um, In a movie up to this point And it's because it is real um, it is. And ultimately I think the last point I have about what makes this a great movie is that Movies, the best movies that I Feel, the ones That are I feel like are the best movies are the ones That really help to create and build empathy mm-hmm. And this movie Does that, it hits It hit me it, like a gut punch I cried multiple times watching this movie yeah. And this movie just worked really, really well for me and is one of the biggest surprises uh on the list of a movie that I hadn't seen before. Same. That I ended up really, really enjoying. Same. Um, I'm really glad we got to watch this movie. I think this is a great movie and uh I I loved our discussion on it. Yeah. What about you? What makes it great for you?
1: Same. It hit me like a gut punch too. Um Yeah, it I was like, you know, whenever I have to watch a two and a half hour movie Um, i'll have to almost three i'll have to rev up my engines but yeah this was almost three it's like two hours 50 minutes and um i didn't have to it was yeah it was so compelling and yeah the subject matter um was it's just yeah so thought-provoking and it was so fresh Mm -hmm. at the time and it was so needed Uh, i think that you know i could talk about greg toland and all the shots in this movie forever um Mm -hmm. and He deserves it. He's such an amazing artist and he's got such a great vision. Um, And it makes this film so much more powerful whenever you have that on top of, you know, an already great story and great acting. Um, But yeah, this film is so healing. Um, It's still effective today in creating and teaching empathy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like thinking about our grandpas the whole time and I was just thinking about like. (laughs) what an appropriate medium to use a a you know to spread empathy and to spread a message like this um mm-hmm. at a time like this i think often you know you can get bogged down in um the inappropriate uses of medi- this medium you know and the inappropriate messages or the bad kind of um signals and vibes and lessons that are being sent out nearing Hollywood and stuff, you know, big explosions, war, violence, uh, you know, people always get in Hays code. People be like the cussing, the nudity, you know, right. but like, this is a message that was so needed. And, you know, back then I imagine there was like a, no mental health, like care out there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so many people needed it. And, you know, William Wyler made it accessible nationwide in theaters. Um, At least to start that conversation or to have, you know, imagine you've got a really quiet, you know, husband or brother or somebody who just came back from World War II and uh, your family's all tense around the table and then, hey, there's this new movie out. Uh, It's getting really great reviews. You guys want to go see, uh, you guys want to go to the picture show, (laughs) you know, and then you go (laughs) and you sit down next to, you know, your traumatized brother and then at the end (laughs) of the movie you're able to, you know, cry or hug each other and, you know, like I could start the conversation and um that that makes this movie great for me um yeah yeah really glad we watched it uh, it was mm-hmm. an awesome movie i'm i don't know if I'm going to like buy it but i want to come back to it again at some other point i think this one definitely uh, deserves a a rewatch
0: i think so too um i do have some sad news is that we've been pr- singing the praises of Greg tolan this is the fourth movie that we've seen of his on the list we've watched Uh, Wuthering Heights, The Grapes of Wrath, Citizen Kane, and Now the Best Years of Our Lives. And that is the last Greg Toland movie that is on the list. Toland. He he dies just a couple of years later in 1948 at the age of 44.
1: Oh, man. He is, like, so, that's so sad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Thank you for the best years of your lives, Greg Toland. (laughs) You gave us some really, really amazing art and some great cinema. Thank you for educating us
0: yes uh it's it's been a pleasure um but uh you want to hear what we're doing next time
1: yeah i'm still sad about the movie and about greg but yeah tell me what we're doing (laughs) next time brother
0: well we're sticking in 1946 we are going into frank capra's it's a wonderful life
1: oh yes good vibes yay yes
0: ranked number 11 on the original list, and then on the 10th anniversary list, ranked number 20. So pretty high up
2: there.
1: Pretty high up there. And um, with this next episode, uh, we're going to try something new.
0: Yeah, we're, we, we, hopefully it'll all work out. <laughs> yeah, I, um, like, I don't want to
1: jinx uh, anything by yeah. saying it. But on this next episode, I think we're going to have our first guest, our sister-in-law, Maureen Fernandez, join we're us to talk about uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, we'll give it a try.
0: Yeah, I hope all the technology and everything works out, that we can get it all working. But um, it'd be super exciting to have our first guest on the podcast. And uh, I love It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, this the episode probably won't be released until, you know, later in January or something. But um, well, we might be recording it right during Christmas week. So it might be very timely when we're recording it. So, yeah. Exciting to talk about its wonderful life with you next time, but for this time, my name is Andy Fernandez,
1: and my name is Michael Fernandez. Thank you guys for joining us on What Makes It Great.